This is the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. This is Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. On the podcast today, we'll take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at Wired Differently, Drift Again. Eight Traits of Supremely Purposeful People, written by Todd Saylor, narrated by Russell Newton. Chapter 1. The Drift Again Look for the drift. Prepare for the drift again. Todd Saylor The following happened on a March afternoon in 2015. I was at the wheel of my new BMW and stopped on the Cortez Bridge that connects Anna Marie Island to Manatee County, south of St. Petersburg, Florida. The center of the bridge, called a bascule, had been raised to allow large boats to pass underneath. I was the first car in line along the eastern side of the bridge, and when the bascule lowered flush into position, I began to cross. A similar line of cars headed our direction over the narrow bridge. Then, incredibly, a Lincoln Continental drifted from behind the other's veered into my lane and accelerated. What was he doing? My brain immediately focused on my dilemma. I was helpless, trapped by a line of cars behind me, the guardrail to my right, and oncoming traffic on my left. Staring in wonder, I watched this guy as he gained speed toward me. In those short seconds, my mind fixed on the stark realization that there was nothing I could do to protect myself from this drifting car. I slowed gradually to prevent a pileup behind me, put my car in neutral, and braced for impact. The Lincoln didn't slow as if the driver hadn't even seen me. When his car collided into my BMW head-on, the concussion slammed me against the seat harness. In the abrupt aftermath, there was a quiet, surreal moment, as if time seemed to have stood still. For my part, I was rattled and in sudden pain. My back and legs were strangely hurt. I gazed over the crumpled hood of my car at the smashed front end of the Lincoln. The driver, the only passenger, was slumped over the steering wheel. Gathering my thoughts, I climbed out of my BMW and made... Chapter 2. The Mark Find your mark, then use it. Then really use it. Todd Saylor Those of us who want to get ahead embrace the fact that we're wired differently. We recognize that we must leverage our favors against fulcrums to overcome life's challenges and reach success. Three of those favors are the distance, the fight, and the edge. With distance, that's the measure of the commitment to reach our goal. In the fight, we acknowledge that conflict and action are necessary to gain a favorable position in pursuit of your goals. Likewise, The edge is the process of how you leverage your tenacity and work ethic. We don't pursue our goals in a vacuum. We live in a world where we must compete because the customer can only choose one vendor. Not everyone can come in first, and not everyone can be the best. What helps us sharpen our edge for the fight is to direct our actions against one person, whom I'll call the mark defining them as something I've marked for identification. What the mark does for me is that the competition is no longer an abstract concept. The competition is now pegged to a mark. 
that mark now has a face and equally important, that mark is the measure I use to accomplish specific goals. How does having a mark help you realize your success? Beating your mark satisfies your need to win. We humans have caveman brains and we're hardwired to fight in order to survive. And if we fight, then we must win. Winning brings an invigorating feeling of triumph and that feeling carries over to building confidence and our sense of self-worth. Competing against your mark. Chapter 3. The Ego I love to talk about my favorite subject, me, Todd Sailor. I despise this chapter. I've pondered and written it several times, but yet it continues to feel indulgent and misleading. How to write about ego and not make it egocentric? And more about other people? Hold that thought. And here we go. Long ago, I learned to appreciate the power of confidence. No, I don't believe that I was born with an overabundance of confidence. And will admit, I had very little confidence as a child. But I did see the power of confidence manifested itself in my parents and in my leaders at school. I grew to recognize the authority and deference that it brought to them. I was clearly drawn to the commanding presence that allowed my parents, coaches, and other leaders to get things done and done on their terms. Conclusion, you need to love and believe in yourself. You need an ego. Which brings me to why I titled this chapter, The Ego. Remember though, an ego without empathy will sabotage you. In our society, acting on your ego labels you as arrogant, self-centered, an egomaniac, a schemer, unscrupulous, untrustworthy, shallow, selfish, petty, vain. But ask psychologists to explain someone acting on their ego and a more nuanced and clearer picture emerges about such a person. Here's what psychologists say about people who act on their ego. Have a high concept of themselves. Possess mental toughness. Are risk takers. Chapter 4. The View We clearly don't know what we don't know until we open our view. Todd Saylor It's strange how things are viewed through the lens of one person. How these things begin and how they end and how they really exist versus the way they seem. In the culture of Wired Differently, this view manifests itself in how our Wired Differently traits shape and color the way we perceive the world and prompts us to move out of our land of quo. My wife Tracy and I were 30 years old when we found ourselves struggling to recover from career setbacks. We'd returned to Angola after my disastrous business experience earlier. We'd lost a lot financially and thought it best that we move and start over. With that in mind, I decided on a plot of acreage in the woods east of Angola, Indiana. The acreage was off a dirt road, a weedy, overgrown lot upon which sat a weather-beaten, single-wide trailer in need of TLC. The remains of a half-assed garage leaned against the trailer. The structures were home to a colony of raccoons and surrounded by mounds of buried trash. Across from the trailer stood a rusting 4,000-square-foot barn made of tin 
that was once the manufacturing startup for a disposable lock company, since abandoned, then converted by a wandering wrench turner into an auto repair shop. Evidence of the mechanic's lack of tradecraft was the black suit coating the barn's ceiling and walls from various car fires. In between the trailer and the barn sat three man-made ponds. The reason for the ponds mystified me, until I dredged their bottoms and hauled out the remains of a bizarre contraption that turned out to be a homemade submarine. Chapter 5. The Pain Going the distance requires pain, but the reward is, you've gone the distance. Todd Sailor Let me show you how wired differently I am. I thank God for my pain. I say that because I know pain. Here are the different ways that I've felt pain as I list them in my WDR, Wired Differently Resume. I encourage you to create your own WDR and reflect upon your own amazing feats to inspire and propel you through times. Don't hesitate to marvel at what you've overcome as you update your WDR. So, here I go. Pain of feeling not being wanted. Pain of feeling not good enough. Pain of feeling trapped with no way out. Pain of feeling no possibility of being loved. The pain of a broken back, two broken hands, ten dislocated fingers, three broken fingers, two broken ribs, two meniscus tears, broken collarbone, calcified femur muscle, morbid MRSA cellulitis, three ruptured discs in back, three back surgeries, severed foot, ten concussions, two broken bursa sacs, mangled face, a horse ripped my nose off my face, bald, reconstructive face surgery, three times broken nose, crushed finger, blowout hernia, six head-on car collisions, frauded for over $300,000, embezzled out of over $250,000, parental divorce, marriage on brink, child miscarriage, lost everything, twice, depressed, hated, criticized, judged, bullied, beaten up, burglarized, even jailed. From this list, you can see that I've suffered emotional pain and... Chapter 6. The Odd Our oddities define us as uniquely wired differently. We need the odd to clearly separate us from being average. Todd Saylor Odd. Who wants to be odd? When you call someone an oddball, you're not doing them any favors. No one wants to be the odd man out. We are socialized to fit in. That's what peer pressure is all about. Let's look at the differently part of being in the culture of wired differently. Being different by definition means not being the same as others. It means sticking out. It means being odd. We, as individuals, are the combined result of both our environment and what's been passed down genetically from our parents. Just as we've inherited the color and shape of our eyes, so too have we inherited many of our mannerisms and traits. My dad was definitely an odd sort, and his personality traits and unconventional methods certainly contributed to his success as a football coach. From early on, my dad recognized that I, like him, was wired differently, and he used that to trick me in his fatherly way and to get me to do those crazy kinds of stunts that are the hallmark of being 
wired differently, Todd. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Romans 12.2 It was the summer of 1977. I was 12 and working in the family donut shop at the Lake James Resort near Angola, Indiana. My shift was over and I called my dad for a ride home. I was using the shop's kitchen phone, one of those vintage wall models with a long cord. Right after I asked him for the ride, my dad mentioned that I should run home. Chapter 7. No Moss Moment Recognize when your no moss moment is upon you before it is on you. Todd Saylor Wired differently people are fighters. Wired differently people go the distance. But wired differently people must also have the wherewithal to say, no moss, no more. How can this be? Isn't the idea of no moss contradictory to everything about being wired differently? Not at all. This came to me as an epiphany when watching a documentary about Roberto Duran, a professional boxer from Panama, whose nickname was Hands of Stone. On June 20th, 1980, he faced Sugar Ray Leonard, himself an Olympic gold medalist and professional world champion. Duran won by unanimous decision. Sugar Ray didn't like losing, and with his eyes set on settling the score, he continued to train hard. For his part, Duran, having grown up dirt poor, found himself showered with money and adulation. He partied around the clock, drinking heavily and ballooned in weight. Certain that Duran would let himself go, Sugar Ray lobbied for a second fight to take place before the end of the year. He knew Duran would be financially pressured to accept the fight and try to sweat it out to bring his weight down to the required 147 pounds. The fight took place on November 25, 1980, in the New Orleans, Louisiana Superdome. During the bout, Sugar Ray danced around Duran, stinging him with well-timed punches. As the fight progressed, Sugar Ray applied psychological warfare against Duran, taunting him, jabbing, and then stopping to mug with his chin out, daring Duran to come after him. Duran was not only in poor fighting shape, he was also in great discomfort, having taken diuretics and laxatives when he cracked. Chapter 8. The Own Sometimes you have to lose who you are to become who you want to be. Todd Saylor In this book, I've stressed the importance of the link between what it means to be wired differently and the concept of drift again, a key component if we want to be supremely purposeful. If we're to be wired differently, then we must own all aspects of who we are and what we can be. Wired differently people understand that they can't be without bias or flaws or think that they had a perfect upbringing. Wired differently people are overcomers for a reason. They use their attitudinal disorder to reconcile their flaws with their ambitions and thus triumph over their shortcomings and limits. Being wired differently is defined by what we're willing to give up to become who we want to be. The idea behind who we are and who we want to be is crucial to understanding the own. We must find out who we are, what our genetics are, and understand how that affects our innate thought processes. Then, as wired differently people, we must rewire our minds to overcome the drift again, focusing on becoming supremely purposeful. 
In trying to understand Supremely Purposeful, I have to take a look at the world that we live in today, my land, and my means. We're in the middle of a pandemic and dealing, once again, with racism. Across the country, riots have incinerated entire city blocks. Homelessness is rampant. Unemployment is at the highest levels of my lifetime. Our country hasn't been in such bad straits since the Great Depression and World War II. Here's the strange part. When I compare what I'm... This has been Wired Differently Drift Again. Eight Traits of Supremely Purposeful People. Written by Todd Saylor. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Todd Saylor. Production copyright by Todd Saylor. Please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With an eclectic collection of insights, knowledge, and trivia from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work podcast brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.